Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. The funny thing is whenever a sermon or a lesson comes up to somebody's mind, there's usually a roundabout way that it happens. Something sparks an interest or something pops up that you're like, this would be a good subject to talk on. And mine might be the most random one you have heard to this point. So I wanted to share that with you. Now, you're probably saying, why did he walk out and put a snow globe over here? So I want to present something to you. Now, I love science. Science is uh, one of my favorite things to do. And being the head of my school STEM program, I'm always trying to find some fun and exciting things to do with the kids. So this here is not actually a snow globe. Um, It's probably hard to see on camera, but I'll, I'll describe it to you. This is actually a complete ecosphere. This is a self-contained ecological system, all inside of a glass ball. So inside this ball, there's some rocks, there's a little bit of algae, there's a sea fan, which is just a fancy name for a branch, and there's four tiny tiger shrimp in here. Now this entire ball is enclosed and will never be opened again. Now these little tiny shrimp inside of this ball will live to be 10 to 15 years old. Isn't that amazing? These tiny little dots swimming around in here. And that's because of something called protection. Very simple word, (laughs) we all know what it means. But these shrimp are protected in here. The water will never suffer any kind of contamination in here because it's constantly cleaned by them. No outside forces such as predators will ever eat them. Uh, They will naturally die of, of age in this tiny little ecosystem. And it made me think when I was looking at them, is that the life that they wanted in here? I mean, you look at this and people, some maybe animal rights activists, maybe some scientists themselves say, this is not fair. These tiny little shrimp in here should be out in the ocean where they're free, where they're living their normal life in their normal habitat. Valid point. But once they go into that ocean, what's going to happen? Well, their chances of success and survival actually diminish quite a bit. They could be the food of the next fish that swims by. Any contaminant poured into the ocean could kill them almost instantly. They might be crushed under sea logs and other pieces of debris floating through. They're very, very tiny. But in here, they are completely protected. So are they giving up one thing to have the other? It's interesting to me that that is how the world looks at the protection of God with us. It's confining us. It's taking away all the fun stuff, all the natural life that we should have. The protection of God is... is making us miss out on the things that others would get to have. But that's really the complete opposite of what the protection of God is. The things that are given to us by God are not there to rob us of joy, of happiness, of all the fun that we could be having. They're there for one simple reason, to protect us. And more importantly than that, to protect what's inside. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. I want to just kind of read through our notes as we go. Now, I know the notes look lengthy. It's a couple pages, but a lot of it is scripture. So it's going to go fast. So please follow along with me here. We are going to go through this top little section on your notes. For Christians, the equation is simple. Pray to God and ask him for protection. Have faith and God will protect. If this is the simple truth, then why does harm befall so many faithful people? Why do righteous men and women who have devoted themselves to God suffer so many tragedies? Is it the lack of faith? Is it the lack of God even hearing our cry for protection, or have we simply lost sight of what protection is? In order to best understand this protection, 
we're going to look to what God wants for us on a less superficial level and understand exactly what he wants for our protection. First, in your notes here, it says, what are we being protected from? And the simple answer is evil. Now, Satan, he changes himself. He's really good at that. He masquerades as all different kinds of things. He prowls around us. He hunts. He looks for opportunity. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for something to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever. Amen. So I like that the scripture used the metaphor in here. Scripture never accidentally uses metaphors and says, oh, I can see how that would fit. They're all intentional. They're all purposeful, and they're all inspired by God. And the metaphor of Satan being a lion is perfect. A, a creature prowling around hunting. If you haven't heard of this, there's a movie that came out years ago called Ghost in the Darkness. But you, if you haven't heard about this, there was an actual event in Kenya in 1898 in Salvo, Kenya, where two male lions over the course of weeks killed 30 construction workers that were helping to build a train track. And what was amazing about these lions is they completely resisted every form of defense that these men put up. They weren't afraid of the sound of guns. They weren't afraid of roaring fires crackling around. They weren't afraid of bromas, which were just big circles made out of thorns and bushes to keep lions out. And what they did is they became so calculated in their hunting that they would wait till the men went to sleep at night in their tents unprotected. They would jump over the bromas into camp and one by one pull the men out and kill them and eat them. Over the course of weeks, 30 plus people were taken out by these two lions. It is amazing. They learned how to see the routines of man and measure what they should do to easily infiltrate their lives. Does that sound like somebody we know? It's exactly what Satan does to us. This is how the devil moves in our lives. And his tools and abilities of destruction are honed to perfection. We never, ever should forget who we're dealing with. He learns our patterns. He waits until we're most vulnerable and attacks us with ferocity. The devil will find a way to cause us suffering. Now in the scripture, Peter's telling us that bad things can and will befall us, such as they do to all believers. But he quantifies the suffering by saying, after you have suffered for just a little while, assuring us that the suffering will end and God will restore us. The scripture is not a promise that we won't hurt. It's a promise that Satan will not have the last say. And this is something important for us to remember. Are we to suffer? Yes, we will. Peter tells us right here, very plainly, you will suffer. You may suffer persecution. You may suffer physical illness. You may suffer harm from the hands of other people. You may suffer because people you love around you are experiencing those things. But the promise is that it is for a while. Now, a while is very subjective. You could say a while is a week, a while is a day, a while is 10 years, 15 years. What if a while is a lifetime? What if a while is a lifetime? Think about that for a second. What if your suffering happens from the time you're a child to the time you take your last breath? Now, that doesn't seem like a while. That seems like an eternity. But that's exactly what Peter is saying. It will come to an end and you will have eternity. God will restore you. He will make you stronger. You'll be steadfast. 
if you can suffer for a while. Well then, these little shrimp I showed you on the ball, they're not gonna be attacked by any predator, so I, I don't get the correlation, Ryan. You're, you're saying they're, they're safe and sound in there, but we are gonna suffer. We are gonna get hurt if we're under God's protection. That doesn't sound like protection at all. So then, our next question is, what does God's protection look like to us? Now, God's protection does not just extend to the works of the devil and the works of the flesh. The scripture tells us God is there protecting us throughout all we may experience. I want to read through Psalms 91, and it looks like a lengthy reading, but it actually reads really fast, and it's something to always keep on your heart. Now, you'll have people that look at the scripture and say, this is just poetry, a beautiful thing written to God, but listen to the actual words of it, and let's discover what the true meaning is. Psalms 91 he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be the shield and the buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Not for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, and not for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come unto thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all these ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dost dash their foot against a stone. They shall tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under the feet. Because he has setteth his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a beautiful passage about God's protection. The scripture shows us that God's protection is ever present with us. God is our fortress, a quite literal place for us to hide. And say we're literal and figurative on that. When you are experiencing the worst that life has to give you, God's arms are open, as the scripture says we just read, with his wings folded around you, his feathers encompassing you. Nothing can, can penetrate his fortress. Back in the day in the wars, what they would do is move the cannons as far close as they could when they bombed a fortress, or bombed, I should say cannonballed a fortress. And what they would do is for days, pound the fortress, pound the fortress, pound the fortress, until finally the fortress started going from a protection to a hazard and would actually fall in on the people inside of it. But that doesn't happen with God. No matter what pounds against us, no matter what comes up against us, the fortress stays strong and grows stronger with every ounce of faith that we have. However, this entire scripture would seem to counter what Peter said about believers around the world going through suffering. Psalm 91 paints a picture of God protecting us through everything, but if we look through the layers of Psalm 91 and 1 Peter 5, both scriptures we read tonight, we'll see they actually reinforce each other. Peter says that the devil is a lion looking for someone to devour. And what does Psalms 91 say to that? It says, through God we will tread upon that lion. 
he will be crushed beneath our feet. Both scriptures confirm the existence of the lion, but through God's protection, we will overcome him. And that's the point of both scriptures. That very lion that's so sneaky, that, that could come in the darkness of night when we're most vulnerable and least inspected, that can snatch us from our very safety, our beds, and take us out and destroy our very souls. If our faith and our trust and our love is in God, his protections around us, and we will crush that lion beneath our feet. Now, that may not be a very glamorous view <laughs> right there of what's happening. Some of us may like lions. But the fact is the devil cannot win. He's already been defeated if we put our faith and trust in God because God's feathers, his wings, his protection have already been around us. If you notice in that scripture, Psalm 91, it says, if we make God our habitation. Habitation is the place where you live. It's not a place where you just go to visit every once in a while and say, hey, how's it going? I like it here. Disneyland is not my habitation. <laughs> I go to visit. It's a wonderful place. I leave and I come back home. The habitation is where you constantly and firmly dwell. For these little shrimp right here in this little ball, this is their habitation. They're protected in here. They live there. Nothing can get to them. Now, if I were to knock it off and breaks, my bad. And yes, they'll be vulnerable. But right now in their present state, they're perfect. Life is good for them. Nothing can get to them. That's their habitation. So then let me ask you the question of all questions. And I guarantee that probably everybody in here at one time in some way, shape, or form has thought, then why do good things happen to bad people? It is our very human nature, our human instinct to think, when this person has done nothing their whole life but serve God, pray, help others, give everything they've had to the poor, why are they going through so much pain and suffering right now? God understands that question. He does. So let's take a moment and let's talk about that. So this, this question itself is not a new one. It's been debated by scholars and theologians, even psychologists and psychiatrists. People have debated, why does this exist? There's been lots of answers that have come up. Um, maybe it's because our suffering strengthens our faith. Maybe it's because God is teaching us a lesson in humility. Uh, psychologists would say it's a random act of nature coinciding with the probability of an individual being in a particular place at a particular time. So it's just random. Things happen. Bad things happen. You were there. If you weren't there, somebody else would have been there. But the problem with all of this is we are using our human mind in this. We are trying to think, why is God doing this? This is a question that I asked myself. And it wasn't because I doubted God it wasn't because I didn't think that he had best interests in mind, but when I was in my early 20s, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and it really rocked my family. We weren't sure what was gonna happen with her. Unfortunately, they caught enough, uh, in, in enough time to where they, she had a mastectomy and she was able to survive and live and it never came back, thankfully. But then just a few years later, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer. And so the doctors did the best they could and they helped her out and they got her through it. And then a few years later, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, about the size of a softball, the doctor said. And thankfully, they were able to go in and they were able to operate and they were able to remove it and she survived. And then two years after that, after a conversation with my sister, she walked outside of her house. She bent down to pick up a weed 
lost her balance, fell over and knocked herself unconscious and laid outside for 24 hours before somebody found her. It was in the middle of August. So when she was found, the tops of her legs were completely burnt off. Her toes were so bad that she had to have a couple of them amputated. And it makes you for a second say, why? This was a woman that not only taught me God, but every night was an example to me. There was not one night of my life that I can remember, and, I, and I'm telling you some truth, where I didn't see her sit down at 10.15 every night and open up her Bible to read. God was such an important part of her life that he was the reason she survived through all those things. That she was able to be a success where other people may have failed. And if you ask my mom, like, man, all this bad stuff happened to you. What's going on? She says, very simple. God doesn't give me anything I can't handle. That was always her response. She actually, at some points during her cancer treatments, grew strong enough to where she went back to work while she was on chemotherapy and radiation. She would work with, with uh, paper towels that were wet over her spots where she had the radiation because they burnt so bad, but actually would work through the day because she believed that God would never give her something she couldn't control. Yesterday, we celebrated her 74th birthday after all of this stuff that she's gone through. So yeah, the question of why does this happen is always there. But maybe we can find the answer in the scriptures. According to Paul, he found comfort that his suffering was a chance to receive God's grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Remember, this is Paul. This is Paul who was on his missionary journey at one point, had a shipwreck, went to go make a fire, and a snake bit him. <laughs> was God not protecting him at the time? Was he not looking after him? This is the same person that prayed to God three times to remove a thorn in the flesh that he was suffering, something so painful that Paul thought it was something he should pray for, and God didn't remove it. And Paul is saying right here, that's okay. That's okay. Because in my weakness, I see how strong God is. In my weakness that I continue to profess the Lord God, everyone else sees how strong God's power is. And that is the reason that we go through suffering. It's not that God's protection is not on us. It's that God's protection is surrounding us at all times. Now, what we read from Paul would certainly reinforce the scripture of Peter and Psalms. As Paul admits, he's suffering, but also tells us that God's power is amplifying through his weakness, and he is delivered through his power, as is talked about in Psalms 91. When we consider the question of why do bad things happen to good people, we have to stop looking at it through a human mind and start considering what God's protection means as a child of God. What does his protection mean to us? The deliverances that are talked about in Psalms 91 are not the protection from physical harm. Through God, certainly, though God can certainly provide that protection, but protection of our very souls. Not allowing our enemies to set up stumbling blocks in our way of our righteous walk. Are we going to trip on rocks like Psalms 91 says we won't even stumble? Of course we are. But what about that stumbling block that's being put in front of us that could change our soul, that could take us away from God? If we believe in him and trust in him and have faith and love and follow him, he will take that rock out of our way. Not allowing us to fall to the disease and pestilence of the world's influence. We read Psalms 91 talking about the disease and the pestilence, so we think that's COVID-19, right? Certainly, God can protect us. God can heal us. But that's not what he's talking about. 
He's talking about the disease of this world that gets into us and changes us and who we are. The thousands that fall by our sides are the unbelievers that refuse God, but not us, not the protected. We are lifted up by the angels when we struggle and God heals us with his power and love. We must commit to our hearts that our soul is more valuable than our flesh. And that is an extremely hard concept to have as a human being. Our very first instincts from the time we can cry as a child is to protect ourselves. It's self-preservation. I want God to save me from that nut down the street that keeps waving around his weapons that may come down and shoot me at night. Well, I could take some precautions of my own. Maybe I get my own weapon or my own protection or security system or I hired a guard or whatever it is. I can take those protections against that. But it is far more important that God protects my soul from what this world is going to throw at me. That's the goal right there of God's protection. Suffering can and will befall us. God hears our prayers. He sees our faith, but does allow suffering to come our way. It is this time that we must remember the promises of 1 Peter 5 and in verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. This is the definition of God's protection right here. When suffering will befall us, we can rest assured that if our love and faith is stored up in the fortress of God, our very soul is protected against all things, and God's grace will restore us up stronger and a better version than when we were before. So after I wrote these notes and I sent them in, I got a message that my uncle has got terminal cancer. So literally today, like hours ago, it's kind of funny how God gives you this stuff. So he's a man of faith. Let me first and foremost say that. He is the man responsible for a lot of things in my life. Uh, when my dad passed away 14 plus years ago, he's the one that stepped in and said, you got great things ahead of you. You got gifts from God, use them. He's uh, known to everybody else as Dr. James Sander. To me, he's Uncle Jim. And this is not a self-serving lesson because I didn't know this until after I'd already sent these notes to Matt and Nina to print out. And I know that all I have to do is ask you guys for prayers and you'll give me those, so I thank you for that. But all of his education, all of his learning, everything he's done throughout his years, he's been a professor at university for decades, countless thousands of students that he's touched in his life. I can tell he's scared. Not because of his soul being lost, but because of the same thing we're all scared of. Suffering. Pain that's about to come his way. Now, they gave him four months to a year. That's what the diagnosis is right now. God may laugh when he hears that, as I think he often does. Like, man, you guys aren't even close. Maybe he lives two or three more years. I don't know. But the point is, his soul is completely protected by God. And that gives me so much comfort. That gives him so much comfort. It gives his wife and his kids so much comfort. He's about to suffer. It's going to hurt. If they do decide to do chemotherapy and radiation, it might tear him apart. His strong body that he had when he was younger is going to go away. And he may, up until his last day, feel pain. 
But when that next day comes after, when that time comes after, the pain, the suffering, the cancer, it does not exist with God. It's gone. God's protection is heaven itself. How terrible this life is. How terrible it is the things we have to face in this world. But once we go, it's gone. It's gone. So God does protect us. Now the question is, do we want protection? Do we want that from God? Do we want to give up those things that God asks us to give up? Not because he wants to to harsh our life and make it not as fun or as exciting, but we do those things because we know it's protecting our souls. It's keeping us safe. Are we willing to accept that? Are we willing to accept going into this little bubble of God, knowing that it is surrounding us by grace and love? Are we willing to do that and give up everything else, or do we want to just go out and experience it all until the predators finally eat us up? And maybe we had this protection and maybe we left that bubble. Maybe we did. And we went out and we tried it all. And we experienced it all. And we realized it's not safe in there. God's right there with his feathers open, his wings open. Come right back to me. I got you. Right back to me. Thank you for letting me talk to you tonight. I appreciate it. I wanted to talk about this because it's important. People will always ask you in the outside world, how can you be a Christian and see bad things happen to good people. You're going to hear it a lot. And you may even ask it yourself. This is the reason why. Because it's not about this. It's about this. That's where my protection lies in God. I wrote a prayer here. Um, I wanted to pray it tonight with you. But I thought why not write it down. It's a good one for me to help remember. And so if you will. Let's just pray. I'll pray this. And you guys can read along with me. It's a prayer for protection. Dear Lord in heaven, we know you see us and hear us and that your protection is surrounding us right now. We thank you for being our protector. We know the devil is always in wait and his prize is our very soul. We pray that you thwart the enemy and drive him beneath our feet. We pray you protect us from his deceit, his cunning, his attractiveness, his lies. We pray that your angels lift us up in times of discouragement and that the world lay not stumbling blocks before our feet. We pray for our physical protection, that you keep us free from sickness and suffering, from any harm that should seek us, but as always through your will, not ours. And may we remember that our soul is firmly protected in your fortress from this day to eternity. With our love and through Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about these shrimp, <laughs> but this is where I want to be. I want to be in God's protective bubble. I want to know that my soul is safe and secure so that when those lions, murderers, thieves, whatever they be, come for me, my protection is going to be with him in heaven. Thank you all and have a blessed week.